All right, well, as I begin, I think you remember last week, if I can get my, there we go. Last week, there was a short summary, and I mentioned for those of you that like the technical stuff, so Acts is broken into these stories, and there's some, there are several of these short summaries, and last week was the first of these short summaries, and so we did this last week, and, and now we're beginning a story. So now, I, I wondered about this as I was looking into this, but you have to understand that as Luke is writing, it's not like these are the only things that happened. These are the things that Luke, by the inspiration of the Spirit, included in this book. And so think about that summary from last week. It says these people were devoted to the apostles' teaching was one of those things. And then after he talks about them being devoted to that, Luke mentions that the apostles were performing wonders and everybody was filled with awe. So now as he goes to this next story, what he's doing is he's connecting these ideas. These people, this is, this is what was going on with them. And they were, they were seeing the apostles working these wonders and they were filled with awe. And that's one of the reasons why they were devoted to their teaching. And so here we have this first story in Acts chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 10 is what we're going to look at. And uh, this story, this is, there's more to it than just what I'm going to look at today. So I'm breaking this story up into two parts. There's going to be a, a wonder that's being worked, a miraculous event. And then there's going to be uh, uh, the response to that wonder, which is very similar to a lot of things we read when we read the Gospels. A lot of times Christ would work a wonder and then you'd see how, how did the people respond and what did Jesus say about it. And so for those of you who like the technical stuff, breaking down this passage and thinking about what's going on here, this is what Luke is doing. He's validating, he's showing, hey, this is what these people were doing. Here's an example. Okay, this is what it looked like. Okay, So let's take a look at this story. I'm going to read through uh, verses 1 through 10, and I'm going to add a little bit of my, co- my own commentary here as we go through this. Okay, And so uh, we're going to start off with uh, uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which is the ninth hour. Now Peter and John, we all know who Peter is. This is John, most likely John, the son of Zebedee, okay? One of the disciples, one of the twelve. The ninth hour is about 3 p.m., okay? So you can start picturing this in your minds. I think that that helps. I don't know if that helps you, but it helps me to start picturing it. Okay, so it's it's in the evening. Uh, Understand that these first Christians, I mean, this this is fresh Christianity, right? And these first Christians, they had not completely separated from Old Testament styles of worship. And so there were two sacrifices a day, one in the morning and one in the evening. So the disciples, as they were headed up, Peter and John specifically in this case, they're headed up to the temple for the evening sacrifice. Okay? That's what they were doing. It's called the hour of prayer. And so they're headed up there. It's about 3 p.m. They're going into the temple. Okay? And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Now, the Beautiful Gate, we we are not for sure which gate this is. Most of the scholars think it was a gate called the Corinthian Gate, which is, it was called the Beautiful Gate, we think, because this particular gate, it was was, uh, made out of Corinthian bronze, and it was ornate, right? Just so picture this beautiful looking gate. I mean, that's why it was called the Beautiful Gate. Now, it could have been one of the other gates, but this is one of the, the outer gates heading into the temple, okay, into those inner courts of the temple. And so they're headed through, and this man that's been lame from birth has been carried, and they're laying him at the gate. The giving of alms, there were three elements of Jewish worship that were important. The first one, uh, as far as the Jewish faith went, was the reading of the Torah, right, reading the Old Testament for them, what we think of as the Old Testament, Worship, right, going to the temple. And a third component of 
a good Jewish faith was the giving of alms, right? Not just giving to the temple, but actually giving to the poor. And so you have this guy that's being laid here, and I, I think it's just interesting because this is, this is probably a very smart place to have, some, have your friends take you. If, I mean, think about it, right? As people are going into worship, right? What are they thinking? Uh, I'm, maybe they're thinking about their own hearts. They're thinking about what they may need to repent of and think about the aspects of their, their faith that they need to carry through, and they're headed into the temple, and they see poor people there. And this is probably the tradition for a lot of people being laid at the gate. And so as people were coming into the temple, they see this, this poor man, this lame man sitting here asking for alms. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Note two things. First, he was lame from birth. Okay? It reminds me a little bit of the paralytic man in Mark uh, chapter 2 whose friends brought him to Jesus. There's a lot of similarities with this story. Uh, That guy was paralytic and his friends brought him to Jesus. That's the story where they lowered him down through the ceiling. I always remember that from when I was a kid. uh, It was one of my favorite flannel graphs. (laughs) It was lowering down. Some of you are like, flannel graph? What's that? Um, uh, One of my favorite stories in in children's church was that, that story. So there are a lot of similarities to that one. This guy's friends brought him here. Uh, notice second, it says he was, lay, he was laid daily at the gate of the temple. And there's very much this idea that this had been going on for a long time, especially since it had been from birth. Do you understand what this means? Doesn't it mean that these disciples who had been going daily to the temple, and even with Jesus had been going to the temple, if this guy had been there, is this the first time they've probably passed by him? I highly doubt that. Now, that's significant. Think about this for a second. This guy, and we know what's going to happen. Some of you know what's going to happen, right? Uh, But this guy had been there. I think it's quite possible that they may have, because this was a key important part of the Jewish faith, that Christ and the disciples probably had many, many times had passed by this man and maybe even given him alms. Now, let that resonate for a little bit. Layman, lame from birth. Been there for years. Uh, a lot of scholars think he was probably so- somewhere in his 40s. Okay, This was not probably a young man. And here he was, lame from birth, and Christ and the apostles had passed by him so many times. I think that's interesting. I don't want to skip over that. I think that's highly important as we look at what's going to happen next. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So picture him. He's, he's sitting there, Right? Asking for alms, asking for a handout. This is the, he's, he's just trying to survive today. He's just trying to get through another day. Hoping to get enough this day to maybe get some food to feed himself for this day. And so he's sitting there, catching people on their way into the temple. Maybe this is a good day to do it. This is a good time period to do it. Right at the evening worship as people were coming in. People would be feeling more generous, quite likely. And Peter directed his gaze at him. Now remember, I think Peter and John easily, easily could have many times walked past this man and maybe even given him, maybe even seen him before, but there's something different this time. Peter and John direct their gaze at him as to John and said, look at us. So, so they, they're walking past, and they see this man, and, and, and unlike any other time before, or maybe they may have given him alms, this time Peter stops, and he's like, zoned in. And the first thing he says to the guy, he says, he's like, look at me, right? 
So suddenly he has, this guy has caught his attention. And it, what's he, the first thing he does is he, he wants to make sure that this guy is devoting his full attention up here as well to Peter. Look at me. Fix your attention right here. And he fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So he's thinking, hey, this guy's getting ready to give me a gift. Right? So he's asking for alms. Peter walks by, and Peter, you know, he's alms, alms. Just imagine him sitting there, and there's probably lots of people walking in and out of the temple, but it's probably a, a bigger group that's headed in, and, and this one guy stops right in front of him and goes, hey, look, look right here. Okay? Right. He's ready. But Peter says this, which I'm sure the first words that came out of his mouth didn't make this particular man all that happy. Peter says, I have no silver and gold. Imagine him sitting there. Well, why am I doing this then? He says, well, what I do have, I give to you. And then he says this, and it's very important the way he says this. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Echoing the words of Christ, rise up and walk. Difference here. When Peter says it, he doesn't just say, rise up and walk. He says this first. He says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up, walk. I can't read this passage without hearing it this way. I'm not going to break into song, but some of you know. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give thee. Anybody, anybody, anybody humming that tune in your, I can't read it. Yeah, some, okay. Some of you are like humming, some, oh, people that have been in church for years and years and years. You remember this, this song, silver and gold have I, I'm not, okay, that's enough. In, in our summary from last week, right, we were told that the apostles were performing wonders, so now we're getting this example. Peter says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so he leans over, and, and maybe he's going like this here. He, he takes him by the hand, raises him up, and immediately, so I, I'm imagining as he's raising him up, as he's standing up, the feet, it says specifically his feet and ankles, are made strong. Now this guy's never walked before. Lame from birth. This Peter goes, get up. He's probably never had that happen before. Here, let me help you to your feet. We've had that happen. We're sitting down here. Let me help you. Peter says, rise up and walk. Let's go. Okay. He stands up. Do you think he felt it? I think he did. He's like, oh. The miraculous occurs as Peter is raising him up. And then I love the next part. And leaping up, he stood. <laughs> leaping up. Don't you like that? Where didn't he go? And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. Oh, be, before I read the rest. Just think about So he's, he's leaping. So I just picture him going, like just, not just rising up, but popping up. I mean, you think as his legs, he could feel it. Woo! You know, just, you know, what? Rise up and walk. So he leaps up. He stood and begins to walk. And he entered the temple with them. So they're, they're on the way to the temple. He's just like, I'm coming too. So he goes in with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, 
I have to say, uh, one of my commentaries, F.F. Bruce, he, he put it this way, and I, I had to put it in here. I'm not going to, I don't, I didn't put the whole quote, but he just said something I thought, this is so great. He, he describes it this way. This is an older, older commentary. He says, first, he practiced standing. And when he found he, he could walk, that he could do that, he put one foot forward and tried to walk. When he found he could do that as well, ordinary, I love this sentence. Ordinary walking seemed too humdrum a means of progress. His exultation must find more vigorous expression. So leaping in the air and bounding along, discovering all that his new limbs were now capable of doing, he accompanied the two apostles into the inner precincts. Nor was it with his limbs alone that he rejoiced in God's goodness to him. The temple courts echoed his shouts of joyful praise. I just, I I love that line. Ordinary walking seemed too humdrum a means of progress. I just picture this guy thinking, you can do this, why would you just walk? I'm not going to demonstrate. But I, I can picture him, I, the, 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 the clicking of the heels, right? You, you just see him like, woo! Running into the temple, leaping, praising God, praise the Lord, you know, just going. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God and, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple. Asking for alms. I mean, he'd been there long enough. People said, hey, that's that guy. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's a, that's a fun story, isn't it? I just, I, you read a story like this and you can, you can just picture it in your head. This guy just, you know, skipping around. I mean, I, I, I just picture him like taking arms with people that he, you know, needs to, I, I don't need any alms today, buddy. I got legs. Just hopping around all over the place. Praise, just praising God. Now, when I came to this, now, now Peter, there's going to be a response to this. We already see, but the people saw it and they went, Wow. This wasn't a, a, a secret thing that, that, that nobody knew about. I mean, they knew he was lame from birth, and now he's running around the temple praising the Lord. And it says that they were filled with awe and wonder. And so the, the main part of the story is going to come next as we, we look into Peter's response, because this obviously is going to draw a crowd. And so we're going to see how Peter responds and how Peter uses this moment to bring about what happens next as he points to Christ. But before I go into that, this week I thought, you know, I want to take a little bit of time and just deal with uh, why preach on or maybe what to preach on when we talk about miracles. I think it's important to address this for a couple reasons. Let me give you two reasons why I think it's important. One is because I think it does, when when the Bible has these miraculous things, I think it can stump some people. Okay? Their faith in the scriptures is what I'm talking about. I mean, to read these supernatural things. Now, maybe all of you are going, I don't have a problem with that at all. But but I think that there are some people, this stumps them a little bit. The supernatural. It's important to know that this this Bible, these documents are more reliable than any other ancient document. We have more copies of them. We have more examples of them. In fact, the only reason, if you ever do any study as to why people try to reject and say, I don't think this is true... Their key reason why scholars try to reject the scriptures is based purely on one thing. It's got supernatural stuff in it. Well, we can't, it can't be true because this lame man started walking. That's the, honestly, when you start studying why people try to discredit the Bible, 
Understand that they're not discrediting because there's any good reason to discredit. They just discredited because there's supernatural stuff that's going on. Well, it can't be true because of this. I think there's another reason why it stumps some people. I think it stumps some people in their own personal faith. And maybe, maybe you haven't struggled with this. I've struggled with this a little bit when it comes to the miraculous in the Bible. Maybe it's because you've been wanting a miracle or you've been wanting the miraculous in your own life. And you read these stories and you think, well, why isn't it happening for me? That healing that you want. That special intervention that you want. I know I've struggled with this. There's been a lot of times I thought, man, am I missing something here? Can I just ask you, pretend like you're not at church on a Sunday morning. Pretend like we're just some people talking. Can I ask you, have you ever uh, struggled with this idea that maybe you've asked for something, someone to be healed, someone that's close to you, and it didn't happen? Have you ever thought to yourself later, maybe I just didn't have enough faith? Anybody ever struggle with that? I see, raising your hand, you're going, "Mm mm-hmm. I think it's important when we look at miracles in the Bible, we understand some key things about miracles in the Bible. Because I think if you understand what's going on, that, that struggle should dissipate. So a lot of you said yes. So I'm hoping that this is for you today. So I want to give you some, some things to think through when we think about miracles from this text and from other places in the Bible. Number one, The miraculous, when we read it through the Bible and read about something miraculous happening, the miraculous displays the coming kingdom by validating the king. Okay? There's a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6, says this. It's talking about the coming kingdom when the Messiah will come back. It's funny because we were just talking about something similar to this in, in Sunday school this morning. Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6 says, And the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And the, then shall the lame man, what? Leap. There's, it's important that it was noted by Luke that this lame man did what? Leaped. He leaped up, and he leaped into the temple. I think every one of those Jewish people, as they focused on the Torah, would have known this passage of scripture. This is essential. The lame men leaping is a sign of the kingdom of God coming. Okay? Blind men seeing, mute people singing. These are all elements of the kingdom of God coming. One of the primary purposes of Christ's miracles and then the disciples' miracles was to display and validate the kingdom and its king. One of my commentaries put it this way, this miracle then is not seen as an isolated incident but as part of the grand scheme of God to bring to fulfillment the promises of the Hebrew scriptures in and through Jesus and his followers. See, it's validating... Right? They're, if they're going to devote themselves to the apostles' teachings, the, these types of miracles are valid. I mean, this guy had been there a hundred times over. They'd passed by him who knows how many times and had not healed him. So why this time was he healed? Christ was gone. 
This was important to validate that Christ, right? Because what did Peter say? In the name of Jesus, of Nazareth, that Jesus, get up and walk. Using even Jesus' words, rise up. And here we have what? These disciples have stated this. And so these people are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. You would, if you saw this, you'd go, man, this is the real thing. This is the real deal. Without the miraculous, they could have been dismissed. It's, a, it's interesting in that passage in Mark chapter 2 when Christ performs that miracle on that paralytic man and uses similar words, rise up and walk. Christ specifically says, this is one of those cases where he specifically says, he, he, before he says rise up and walk, he says, uh, your sins are forgiven. And it got everybody all worked up. Mark chapter 2, everybody's all worked up. You can't say that. And Jesus says, well, to show you that those words were powerful and to show you that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I'm going to say something else. So I said those words, those words came out, rise up, or your sins are forgiven. You can't see that. Christ knew it happened. But just to show you that when I said that, that something else is also going to happen, to show you that it's true and that it worked, I'm going to say something else and let's see if that works. And so then he looks at this paralytic man and says, rise up and walk. It's important to understand when we see the miraculous in the Bible that so often its purpose is about validating a message. It's not just about that person and what they want. It's about validating a message. In fact, you see something as you look through scriptures. You, a, lot, a lot of people think that, uh, and, and I'm saying this to help you, because a lot of people think that, man, in the Bible is just all this miraculous stuff, and anytime that they really wanted something, they just prayed really hard for it, and if they really believed, then it happened. Understand that in scripture, the miraculous t- seems to come in waves. And there's times where there's nothing going on. And then it comes in waves. And, and these waves always in connection with new revelation, some new element of truth being revealed. And so it's no wonder that when the ultimate revelation of God coming in the person of Jesus comes into this world, that obviously the miraculous is going to break through. The apostles' teaching is important. It's being validated that Jesus is king. And these are his messengers. Number two, the miraculous displays the coming kingdom by painting a true picture of faith. Like I said a minute ago, I used to get stumped all the time because when Jesus heals someone, he would often say, in fact, I can remember looking through, you know, especially now with computer abilities, you can search the Bible with the computer and find all kinds of things. And how often Jesus would, after he healed somebody, he'd say, your faith has made you whole. And that would lead to such a challenge for me because, well, well then if, if I'm wanting something and if I'm wanting to be healed and, and I'm not, does that mean my, my, I, don't have a, I don't have faith? You just said your faith has made you whole. Is it because is it I don't have faith? Is that the issue? I want you to rethink through faith. Faith as not being just a strong sense of trust. That's what a lot of people think. When they, when they think about faith, they think faith, having faith means I'm, I'm really feeling it that I believe. That's not the case. Faith is about how you see reality. 
mean, the word faith has to do with the word believe. Sometimes the, word, the, the, the same Greek word that's translated faith is also translated believe. Faith has to do with what you believe. You're believing what is true. Consider for a moment this lame man. How often he could have been healed. You think he didn't want that for ages? How often Christ could have... I mean, Christ went to the temple all the time. Christ could have walked right past... I mean, this man had been there for who knows how long. Christ could have walked right past... And I was telling Charity this earlier uh, yesterday, and she said, just think about... Jesus would have known as he was walking past that man. Not yet, buddy. Eventually. But not yet. There's a purpose. There's a plan. There's a time. I think of the man that was, was blind from birth. And, and when the disciples say, why is this man blind? What does Jesus say? There's a purpose. That God might be glorified. That God might be glorified. Think about this. How about the fact that he did not ask to be healed? Did this guy say, please heal me? No, what was he asking for? Money. Just some sustenance for today. He wasn't asking to be healed at all. Just wanted his daily needs met. You know, it's not that we shouldn't ask for healing because there's other places in the Bible, James being one of these that I talked about not that long ago, where if we, we desire physical healing, we desire those sorts of things, we, we're, we're told to, to ask. In fact, we're commanded to ask for those things. But this story obliterates the idea that someone is not being healed because they don't have enough faith. Healing is put firmly in this passage in God's hands, in his time, when he's going to do it. In fact, I don't, do you hear any mention of this guy's faith whatsoever? Did it say he had great faith and so that's why he was healed? No. Healing is put firmly in God's hands. Can I give you a theory? I'm not much for giving theories. Can I give you a theory? You know what a theory is? A theory is one of my, my thoughts that I have. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to veer off. Maybe I, should be behind the, I shouldn't be back here if I'm giving a theory, right? Okay, so, so I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because I'm going to be honest with you. There's been a lot of times in the last nine years now that as a pastor, there's been times that I've, I've wanted so bad. Uh, one, one case in particular was... Um, uh, and I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what their names were, but there was a little boy that had fallen into a pool, and they'd pulled him out, and he was on life support over at Carl, and, and I went over there, and I'm going to tell you right now, I was so frustrated with God. Because more than any other time in my life, I wanted to, as God's representative, that pastor, to walk in there. I wanted to walk in there so bad and just say, wake up. It was horrible seeing that mom and that dad just and this little toddler on life support putting my hands on him and just praying. And I wanted so much for God to say to me, I wanted, and I, I just want, I wanted him to just come to me and say, Matt, this time do it. And I, I kept asking him, could you just tell me to say it? I'll say it. If you want me to say it, God, I'll say it. I'll say it right now. I'll say, wake up, because I wanted him to wake up. 
And I wanted it so bad. And I said, Lord, if, if you just let me say that. But I knew in my head that God was not going to do that at that time. I wanted it. I think of this lame man. There was, a, there was a time for this layman. His whole life had been up to this point. There was a time. And, and did you hear what Peter did? This is, this is where I'm getting to my theory. That, that faith, how, how faith works when it comes to these miraculous events. Because I don't believe that God is just, this is the time for this. I, I do think there's waves of miraculous events uh, gathering things. But it, it hasn't completely tapered off entirely. I think that God still performs miracles. I know that many of you have stories of that. But here's the thing. Genuine faith is less about Really wanting something so bad, if you want it bad enough, that's, that's not faith. Faith is being able to see through, and I think that it, there may even be a time for me in my future where I hope, I pray, that God may at some point say, this, this time it's, I want you to say it. I'm scared for that. I'm nervous about it. Did you hear what Peter did, though? He's walking through, and it's, I, this is why this is my, my thought process on this, because what happened with Peter? What did he do? He's walking through. Maybe, he was, maybe he's even given this guy alms before, but this time there's something different. He stops and he goes, something new. Looked at him. Look at me. Get up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. How many other lame people could have been there at the temple that he... That wasn't healed. But this time, this faith that Peter has is a faith that is seeing God clearly. And the faith that says, I know. See, this is the thing. We come to God and what do we say? I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a time where they're getting ready to be thrown into this fire furnace and Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to throw you in. And, and they, they, they say these words. I love these words. They say, Nebuchadnezzar, God can save us from this fire. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship that idol. We're not going to bow down and worship that statue of you, Nebuchadnezzar. I believe that has captured this idea of this is what faith is about. Is saying, For us, we say, I know. In fact, let me go into my third point here. The miraculous displays the coming kingdom by giving hope. See, when we read the story, things we should think is God can heal. He can. It can give hope. Where we can say, I know that if God wanted to, he could intervene right now and change this whole thing. But we should be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to say, but, but, but even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to do this. God can heal. If you think about these miraculous events, I know they're not the norm for us for now. But as the coming kingdom is breaking through in today, understand this, that Christ, when he came, inaugurated, I'm going to use that word, inaugurated the coming kingdom. We're, like I said, we are talking about this in Sunday school this morning. Inaugurated the coming kingdom. And, and so, so when we look at, until, when, when Christ comes, and those passages like Isaiah where it says the lame are going to leap. See, eventually, all lame people that have faith in Christ will leap. All blind will see. See, that's coming. 
And so when we look at these miraculous in the Bible, think of it this way instead. Think of it as that coming kingdom seeping through into today. And so as Christ has inaugurated the kingdom of God and the disciples are now proclaiming the initial aspects of the kingdom of God, that some of that miraculous, that final kingdom is seeping through into those days, validating it, validating the king. Picture of faith, but giving hope. Not just that God can heal, but that one day he will heal. Understand that, that when this lame man got up and walked, there's, many, there's been many people that have been lame from, from this guy all the way up to today that were not healed yet. That's the key word right there, yet. When this happens, what it's doing is saying, I'm giving you a glimpse of what's coming. I'm giving you a glimpse at what's coming. I think of those that today may be laid, laid up, right? There's, there are shut-ins, or people that are, are struggling. There, there's going to be a day. This, this leaping lame man, leaping lame man, right? You think the, the streets of heaven are going to be filled with a bunch of lame men leaping? I think so. I think about this healing, this miraculous thing, and I think it, there's been many times where God has not healed now. Another example, uh, and since you mentioned earlier, um, Sharon, she was another one that so often I wanted to come in there, and I just wished, I, I asked God, I said, God, I, I, I just want to put my hands here and just declare the cancer gone. It is now, right? It is now. It wasn't in the time that I wanted. But when we read these miraculous events, it's, it's, it's this glimmer of hope that, that God is going to heal. He may not do it right now. But he wants you to know that he can. And he wants you to know that he will make all things new. As we close today, I want you to think of this lame man leaping for joy. But also think of this lame man who for years sat and waited. This lame man who, it did not enter his mind anymore that he might walk. He just needed his alms for the day. Then he leapt, leapt up for joy. Think of those that you know that you love whether they're here with us now or they've gone on, are they leaping for joy now? Absolutely. Are those that were mute, had lost their voice on this earth, are they singing for joy? Absolutely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this lame man who leapt for joy. I thank you, God, that you intervened in his life at the time that you did so that we would have this story. Lord God, I pray that you would just help us as we go through this week to remember your great power, Lord. You can, at any time you want, intervene and do exactly what you want to do, whatever miraculous things you'd like. Lord, I pray that we'd be like this man and just like waiting for our alms, waiting for our daily 
needs to be met. God, we know that you can intervene. But Lord, whether or not you do now, it doesn't matter ultimately. We will praise you. We will graciously follow after you. We will humbly seek you all the days of our lives, whether we're lame or not. Lord, because we know that one day you're coming back. You've given us glimpses of that. But Lord, we know that one day you're coming again. And we thank you for that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.